Welcome back to the Building Stewards Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Brooks, and I'm here to guide you on your stewardship journey through education, encouragement, and engagement. I am glad to be back with you today. Today, I want to spend some time breaking down the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. Now, this bill got passed a week ago, and uh, we were all waiting on if another stimulus package was going to be pushed through. And a lot of us weren't surprised with the Democratic-controlled Senate and House and also the executive branch. So they uh, have control over the legislative and executive branch. Uh, but yeah, I want to spend some time going through this. I did a detailed write-up blog post that I will post in the show notes, and I'm really just going to be skimming through that and hitting on the most important provisions and features of the bill. So have a little patience with me and grace uh, because I have a lot to go through and uh, I'm really going to try not to do much editing to this episode because of how long I anticipate it being more, not long, more so compared to my other episodes and just the amount of information I want to dig into. So have a little grace with me uh, as I dig in. So stimulus checks, a huge part of the stimulus bill. And if you haven't received yours yet, you need to head on over to the IRS website and track your payment. But this was a huge part of the stimulus package, $1,400 per qualifying individual. Now they do have phase out thresholds that are more restrictive than the last stimulus checks. So I actually have a table that I'll include in the show notes, but pretty much how it pans out is if you are filing single, um, actually, I'll start out with married filing jointly. If you're filing married filing jointly on your tax return and you make under $150,000 of adjusted gross income, which adjusted gross income you can find online, 11 of your form 1040, um, if you make less than $150,000 in adjusted gross income, you will receive the entire amount of your stimulus check, the $1,400. Now, if you make between $150,000 and $160,000 of AGI, and it begins to phase out at about $28 per $100 of AGI over that limit. Um, and so that's what you can expect. And then anything, if you make anything over $160,000, you are not eligible to receive the recovery rebate, the stimulus check. So that is married filing jointly. Um, all other filers besides head of household, so single filers, uh, married filing separately, your threshold drops down to starting at $75,000 and kind of it phases out at the same rate. Once you make more than $80,000 of adjusted gross income, you receive nothing. So um, those are the kind of key threshold amounts that you need to be uh, mindful of, but expect those checks. If you received the last couple of checks, you likely will receive this round. Um, it's really just the only thing that's different is really when you get to those threshold amounts, um, they've squeezed those down lower to really target it to the low earning and middle class earners of, of America. So that is what you can expect there. One big question is what information are they going to be using to determine who gets it or not? And so this may be a little bit late in uh, the game to really talk about this because stimulus checks are now starting to roll out. Um, I have actually received mine and a lot of people are receiving theirs direct deposit, um, but it all depends on your last filed tax return. So if you haven't filed your 2020 taxes, they're going to be looking at 2019 taxes and base your eligibility off of that. Now, if you have filed your 2020 taxes, they're going to be looking at your 2020 taxes 
for that. So these are just determination years for if you qualify um, initially. Um, what they will do is they will have another checkpoint. They're using kind of these different checkpoints. They will have another checkpoint that they will reassess um, if you are eligible. So if you're not eligible based on your 2019 figures, um, but then you you know file your 2020 taxes now or sometime in the near future, they will continue to evaluate um, as tax returns come in um, up to, you know, I think it's 90 days after the tax deadline. So that is um, something to note that just because you may not receive one up front, if you're, if you're eligible, you're eligible. And they're going to go through certain checkpoints to make sure that happens. And I, have a, I have a more detailed breakdown of these different checkpoints in the blog article that I wrote. Uh, so I'm not going to get too much into it because it can get pretty hairy pretty quick. But in short, this is a 2020 tax credit that they will be using multiple checkpoints to confirm who is eligible and at what amount they are eligible. So it would behoove you, if you haven't filed taxes yet, to approach that in a a strategic way to maximize your um, ability to qualify for the stimulus. And again, um, I'll include my blog article, um, which has some illustrations and those checkpoints that kind of lay out where it makes sense and how it makes sense to approach that. And again, if you're if you're under way under the limits based on any of the past two years or um, your 2019 or your 2020 filings, you don't have to really worry about it. This is really for those that are close to the thresholds that have been impacted in some way by the pandemic, uh, where their incomes fluctuated, and they need to do a little planning to qualify for this. One other important factor is are these stimulus checks are not typically aren't able to be clawed back. So if you filed your taxes or they're using uh, 2019 to figure out if you're eligible and they send you money and come 2021, you earn more income, which would disqualify you um, from the stimulus, they're not going to come back and ask for that money back. It can't be clawed back. And so that's where um, some of the strategic filing comes into place where you're pretty much giving the IRS uh, the information that's most favorable for you to get this stimulus check. So stimulus checks are going out. And what if you haven't filed your taxes yet? Um, It is okay. So if you haven't qualified, if you don't qualify based on your 2019 tax return, that's fine. If you haven't filed your 2020 taxes, um, you're going to have to do that eventually. Uh, If you do qualify based on your 2020 taxes, Um, and your 2020 income figures, then you need to file as soon as possible. You need to file before the deadline that they've instituted, and it's it's called the additional payment determination date. But you need to file within that deadline to qualify for this, because if not, they're gonna move you on to the next checkpoint, which is the final checkpoint, and it is all based on your 2021 income. And so if you're set to exceed that limit, Um, that threshold for 2021, then you've missed your opportunity and you've missed your window to receive um, the stimulus check. Unless you're able to do some strategic and significant tax planning this year in 2021. One thing I'll say about the stimulus checks, and I've said this the last two stimulus checks, is to have a plan for this money. So this is a lot of money, the biggest stimulus check that we have received, and have a plan have a plan for it so it just doesn't get aimlessly spent. So I'll include, um, I've talked, I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, I'll include a blog article of some ideas, you know, really involved around 
one, first and foremost, using it to live, um, taking care of your necessities, your rent, your mortgage, your utilities, food, you know, depend, you know, dependent care expenses, all, all those things. So make sure you're taking care of those basic needs, but then shore up savings. And maybe you're using a portion of it to shore up savings. You know, debt repayment is, is a great opportunity for this. Um, giving, you know, I'm definitely a proponent of giving a portion of it. And then, you know, using it to support small and local businesses. Obviously, a lot of them um, have struggled the most during this pandemic. So continuing to look for opportunities to support them is a great, uh, great thing to do with this money. And then if you've gone through all those and you still have um, money left over, then um, investing is always an option that you can use this money for. So those are some of the, the handful of ideas that I've kind of touted for a while when it comes to this money. Um, and then one last thing I will say is um, don't feel guilty about improving your stewardship journey and honoring God with your finances, no matter what that looks like. We all have very unique personal financial circumstances. So what I mean is um, churches oftentimes when this money comes in, churches are the first to kind of hold their hand out and say, hey, you know, give a portion of this. You don't necessarily need it. Um, it's just extra. And while I am a proponent of giving, um, and I think we need to give a portion of it because one, it's not ours, it's God's. Giving breaks the power of money. But don't let um, individuals or organizations guilt trip you for wanting to uh, take this money and improve your situation by paying down debt, by shoring up savings, by you know, invest, you know, investing a portion of it. Yes, give a portion of it, but you need to um, also steward this well and take care of your personal finances. So anyway, that's what I would say. Okay, enough about stimulus checks. I'm transitioning into the child tax credit. This is huge. Uh, this actually, the, actually, the stimulus bill has been really favorable towards families and parents. Um, and the child tax credit is something that is really exciting. So again, all a lot of these um, provisions that I'm going to talk about in this episode are temporary. Um, Congress passed this just for 2021, but it is encouraging because a lot of these changes are hinting at potentially being permanent changes uh, to the tax code. And so as I go through these, yes, it's great for 2021, but these could actually be longer term and permanent changes to the tax code. So child tax credit has been increased from $2,000 per qualifying child to $3,000 per qualifying child. Um, And even more than that, if you have a child that's under six, they're going to add another $600 on top of that. So you could have potentially up to $3,600 in child tax credit um, as opposed to the $2,000 now. So again, that's $3,600 for children, qualifying children under the age of six, and kids from six to 17 uh, will get $3,000. And just to make a note about that, those kids, if a child turns 17 during 2021, they would be eligible for the child tax credit and you'd be able to claim them for that. One important feature of these temporary changes is it's really this new enhancement to the child tax credit is really a separate and additional tax credit. So the old child tax credit of $2,000 still exists as the old child tax credit according to the old phase out threshold limit and the new one occurs and exists for the new phase out limit. So to step back, the old child tax credit, $2,000, was eligible for any taxpayer, any earner, up to $400,000 of AGI, which is a lot. So pretty much everyone qualified for it. This new enhanced child tax credit, which is an addition of anywhere from 1000 to 1600 depending on how old your child is, has lower 
phase-out limits, lower threshold. And so, for example, if you're married filing jointly, the new phase-out threshold starts at $150,000 and phases out completely once you hit $160,000 in AGI. And so you can see it's an additional aid, um, an additional tax credit, but really aimed at those that make less money, your, your low to middle income families. But the good news is, is if you make more than that $160,000 in AGI, you still qualify for that $2,000 per child credit. So you don't lose everything. You're not losing everything, but you just don't get as much under this, uh, this new temporary and potentially permanent tax credit. All right. Another huge piece of the child tax credit reform is that the new credit is fully refundable. So what that means is if the credit brings your tax liability to zero and you still have a remaining portion of that credit, you will be refunded the rest of that credit by the IRS. And so this is called fully refundable as opposed to non-refundable. Non-refundable means that if the credit brings you down to zero and you still have remaining credit, that's it. You just zero out. Your benefit is you have no tax liability to pay. So the fact that this is fully refundable is huge because it's actually going to send more money out to families that have children and that could potentially use this money. So the original tax credit, the original child tax credit was only fully refundable up to $1,400 of that $2,000. So you can kind of see the difference between the two and how much of a, a big deal this is going to be. All right. Another unique thing that's happening this year, and this is this year only, is that they're going to do an advance payment on this child tax credit for 2021. So it's going to look a lot like the stimulus. It is going to be an advance payment of a tax credit. So what they're looking at is they're going to use your current information from your tax return, figuring out how many children you have, and they're going to actually pay out half the child tax credit that you're due to receive in 2021 from July to December of this year. They're going to pay it out in monthly installments. Let's just say, for example, if you're eligible to receive $6,000 in child tax credits, then they're going to send out $3,000 in the second half of this year paid monthly. So $500 per month each month from July to December is what this would look like, which is, again, a, a big deal. And this could be huge for families and parents that need this money during this pandemic season. It's oftentimes better to have it ahead of time rather than, you know, tax filing season. So they are going to, the IRS is going to give an option to opt out of this on their website. So keep an eye out for that. If you want to opt out of this, uh, there's some, you know, various reasons why someone would want to opt out of this and not receive the advance payment of the child tax credit, but this isn't forced on everyone. So if you want to opt out of this, keep an eye out for that. And just an example of someone that would want to opt out of this is if they just anticipate having some tax liability for 2021, they could retain this tax credit for tax filing season for their 2021 taxes and reduce how much they owe to the IRS. Now, you, you might be thinking, well, I can still receive it. I can still receive the advance payment on the tax credit and just have it in a savings account and just pay it back. Yes, you could. But here's the thing is if you owe more than $1,000 in tax to the IRS, you're going to have to make estimated tax payments for the following year. $1,000 is kind of the safe harbor limit is what they call. So if you owe less than $1,000 in taxes, then you're fine. You just pay your tax liability and you're fine. If you owe any more than that to the IRS, they say, hey, you, we want more money from you throughout the rest of the year. So you need to make quarterly estimated tax payments to shore up and be in good standing with us. So what that means is if you owe more than $1,000 in taxes, they're going to take that amount, divide it by four, and you have to pay 
for equal payments of that amount throughout the next year to pay in advance. And so that is a reason, a small reason why um, it may be, it may make sense to not get that advanced tax payment from the child tax credit. That may have been a little hard to follow, but again, I have a, a clear example in the blog piece if you want to reference it and read it for a better understanding. Alrighty, when it comes to the child tax credit, they have a partial clawback provision. So it's all, again, all based on thresholds. So I won't get into this too much, but if you're a joint filer and you make under $60,000 in AGI, you don't have much to worry about. Um, If they make an overpayment to you up to $2,000, then they're going to say, hey, just keep it. You don't have to repay that. Anything over that 2000 amount, you can expect to be clawed back regardless of your standing and your income. But between $60,000 and $120,000 for joint filers, they're going to phase out that portion of the safe harbor provision of that child tax credit. So um, again, reference my blog article. I'll put some information on there in the show notes about what that actually looks like. And this probably won't pertain to too many people, but again, errors can be made. Um, They're doing a lot of payments for a lot of people really quickly. So someone's bound to have an overpayment um, for a child tax credit. And um, it's, it's important to know kind of what the statute a limitation is um, and what they're going to come after and what they're not going to come after. So that is good to know. And especially if you uh, are outside of that threshold of the phase out, if you make too much money uh, and they make that overpayment and you, for example, spend it, um, it's good to know that that's going to show back up on your tax return and then you're going to have to repay that. So it's just good to know regardless kind of how that would affect you. Okay, the next credit that is huge for uh, parents and caregivers is the child and dependent care tax credit. Again, these are temporary changes just for 2021, but potentially could be a long-term change to kind of what we're, we're seeing. Okay, so just a quick little blurb about what this tax credit is. This tax credit is really meant to assist parents and caregivers on expenses they pay for care of their children or other dependents. Um, and so really this has to this this has to result in the parent or the caregiver going to work a job or and or look for a job. Um, that's one of the the stipulations that the tax code has instituted. Um, you can't just pay for care and not work and claim this tax credit. You have to be looking for work or getting work or being able to work because of this expense that you're paying. So, for example, how this works is if you send your child to, to daycare, those expenses that you pay throughout the, the the year, a portion of that, a percentage of those expenses can be converted into a tax credit come tax season. So for 2020, if you had one qualifying dependent, the maximum eligible expenses you could use for this tax credit was $3,000. And the max applicable percentage was 35%. Um, and so that how that works is you just multiply your eligible expenses times your applicable percentage, and that gives you the tax credit that you're able to use on your tax return. So that's kind of what that looked like. They expanded this a lot for 2021. So under that same circumstance, the max eligible expenses are $8,000, more than double, and the max applicable percentage is 50%. So half of your expenses are going to be able to be uh, converted into a tax credit. So this is huge. To, To elaborate on that, two or more qualifying dependents, so if you're sending two or more kids to daycare, 
your max eligible expenses increases to 16000 and the max applicable percentage stays the same at 50%. So you could have a maximum credit of $8,000 if you max those out and you, you are within those eligible parameters. So um, here, I'm just going to read an example that I, that I wrote in my blog um, just to kind of give us a concrete example. So John and Jane spend about $7,000 per year on childcare expenses for their three children. In 2020, they were only allowed to use $6,000 of those expenses towards the child, child independent care tax credit. However, for 2021, they will be allowed to use the full $7,000 towards the same credit. So they get the full amount that they can use towards the credit and they multiply that times 50% that's $3,500. They have $3,500 as a tax credit for that child and a dependent care tax credit. So huge, 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 huge increase for those parents that are paying, and um, I should say caregivers, for care, you know, for their children and independence. So the reason the reason why I kind of keep stepping back and saying caregivers and dependents is because some, some um, taxpayers pay for care for their parents, for their elderly parents. And so um, this is really kind of covering, yeah, if you're if you're paying for care in any um, regard for a dependent of yours, if you're claiming someone as a dependent on your tax return and you're providing paid care for them so you can go to work or look for work, this applies to you. So that's kind of why I was um, referencing that. Okie dokie. Okay. So, uh, and, and then again, 2021, they drastically increased the phase out and reduction. So um, I won't get into it too much, but pretty much just to let you know, uh, the for this tax credit, the phase out looks a little different than what I've kind of aforementioned, what I spoke previously um, about with the other tax credit and the stimulus. But the phase out starts out at 125000 for 2021 for this tax credit. And so this is huge. This is huge. This was up from $15,000. So what? how this phase out actually works is it actually... The phase out for this tax credit reduces the applicable percentage uh, that you're able to use when multiplying times your eligible expenses. So that is how it's reduced. So, which is huge because it's a multiplier, right? So, phase outs thresholds drastically increased for this tax credit for 2021. Um, again, it is fully refundable, which is, again, huge. If this credit brings your tax liability down to zero and you have money in that tax credit after. After that, you will get refunded that amount. It'll get paid out to you, you know, when you file your taxes. So again, two re- fully refundable tax credits for 2021 is huge. It's huge. So this is a year that I think for many families, many taxpayers can be a huge tax planning year. So uh, I'm not making recommendations, but if there's um, any gains you need to realize in investment accounts and taxable accounts, this could be a great year to do to consider doing that. If you have any traditional um, accounts that you want to re- convert to Roth accounts, this could be a great year to do that and realize uh, those distributions um, as taxable income because you are going to have so many credits. Again, it could be a huge tax planning year to really take advantage and um, move your financial situation forward. Okay, so that's enough about those tax credits. Those are the big ones. I'm gonna I want to hit a little bit on unemployment compensation. Hopefully, we're to a point. I know there's still a lot of unemployment unemployed people um, in the country right now, and it's you know, tough to see. It's tough to see. So what Congress decided to do is to expand unemployment compensation for those for those individuals that absolutely need it. So, um, okay. So unemployment compensation, step back. Uh, one of the huge 
things that they did, one of the huge provisions that they passed through this bill was that the unemployment benefits received in 2020, so last year, if you received unemployment benefits last year, it's going to be tax-free up to $10,200. Now, this is just the federal the federal unemployment that you received. Um, now, if you remember, the, the unemployment benefits that were eligible for people, it's, it's really kind of administered at a state level. So you go through your state to apply and receive the unemployment benefits, but the the federal government was funding states to be able to pay out that unemployment, and they were also paying states to uh, apply an additional payment, um, a, a federal enhanced benefit on top of that. So um, when looking at the tax-free benefits, we're really look, looking at and isolating the federal portion of that unemployment benefits that was received in 2020. So if you received unemployment benefits in 2020, the federal portion of that unemployment uh, the federal portion of those unemployment benefits are going to be tax-free. And so if you already filed your tax return, don't do anything. They've already said on the IRS, um, and I'll include the statement that they included, they said to not do anything. Just sit, you know, sit tight. Don't file an amended tax return um, because that's just going to cause kind of adverse effects. So they're going to issue some more guidance um, on what to do if you've already filed your taxes and you are due to have your federal unemployment benefits treated um, as tax-free. So that is a, a huge thing um, that has come out of this portion of the stimulus bill. They are extending regular unemployment benefits through September 6th of this year. So they are infusing, they're infusing the unemployment benefit with more money through this bill. They're also extending the pandemic unemployment assistance benefit. So this is this is the benefit that's typically ineligible for normal unemployment compensation. So they created this separate um, line of unemployment benefits really for those that are self-employed. Uh, so think gig workers, self-employed, freelancers, those of that sorts, because those workers don't pay into unemployment um, at the state level, so they're not eligible. But these people are the ones that often got hit hard too, you know, during the, the pandemic. So the federal government created this kind of side benefit to apply for those specific um, workers. So anyway, they extended that benefit again to September 6th of 2021. All righty. The next thing is they inc they extended the federal pandemic unemployment compensation. So this was that enhanced benefit from the federal government that was on top of the normal benefits that you got from the state government. So this provision provided an additional $300 per week, again, on top of the regular unemployment you receive from the state. So to step back, not to be confused from the first thing I said, the regular unemployment benefit the, what, what the government actually did is they sent states more aid so they could beef up their unemployment program to continue to pay out benefits for a longer period of time um, because normally there's more limitations on how long for how long an individual can draw on unemployment benefits. So anyway, okay, enough of that. The premium assistance tax credit program, they made a, they made some changes to this. Um, I won't get into it too much, but but in essence, what they did is they made it cheaper for those that qualify to buy health insurance on the exchange, on, on the, the appropriate exchange that they're buying their health insurance. So what this looks like is um, I think the top of this is all based on your income in regards to the um, federal poverty guidelines. Um, but they normally cap it, how they treat and uh, figure your tax credit for um, this health insurance is they, they look at look at it as a percentage of your income and it's all based on 
kind of this table that they have. So the top was 10%. An individual would pay no more than 10% of their income, uh, of a specified income towards health insurance. And they just lowered that down to a maximum of 8.5%. But again, all in all, they just, they're making it cheaper. Um, they're assisting more individuals in having healthcare coverage. All right, next thing, student loan debt forgiveness. So before you get too excited, there was no student loan forgiveness included in this bill. Nothing, nothing in that sense. But what they did do, what they did do is they said any student loan debt that's forgiven from 2021 to 2025 will be income tax free. This includes both federal and private loans. So you might be scratching your head thinking like, why would they include that in there if there's no student um, debt forgiveness? So many think that this is laying the foundation of potential student some form of student debt forgiveness um, in the near future. So um, a big part of the Democratic platform and um, President Biden is student loan forgiveness and alleviating that burden from a lot of the American population. So a lot of people foresee this as something that's to come, you know, foreshadowing, if you will. So I know they've toyed around with $10,000 and I think really anything between $10,000 and $50,000. I know $50,000 is really being sought after right now and discussed but we'll see. We'll see. I Do I think that there's going to be some form of student loan debt forgiveness in the future? I do. I think there is. Now, what amount that's going to be, you know, it, it could be anything. But again, don't bank on this. Continue to take charge of your own finances. Continue to be accountable for your own finances and paying off your debt and getting getting your finances in order and getting a solid foundation built. Have a plan and work your plan. And then anything extra that comes is extra and that can speed up you achieving your plan and your goals. And it's just like the stimulus. You know, I was kind of from the very beginning, you know, when we went through each of these, you know, timelines where it's like, will this stimulus package happen or not? It's like, well, I think it probably could happen, but don't plan on it. Plan on it that it's not happening. And then if it does come, it's icing on the cake. So this is no different when it comes to the student loan debt forgiveness. Don't plan on it happening. Don't hold your breath. Continue to work your plan each day and take charge. And then if it does come eventually, great. You know, you you are um, already in great shape and it just speeds up your process. Um, whereas the opposite is if you are banking on this happening and you do very little and you plan as it's going to happen and then it doesn't happen, oh, you've just lost a lot of time. You've lost a lot of momentum and you are just way off track um, as opposed to if you did the former. Just a reminder that federally backed student loans are in forbearance through the end of September of this year. So be mindful of that um, and plan accordingly for if or and or when that resumes. Uh, if you are pursuing public service loan forgiveness, then just note that as part of your strategy. Um, I know I kind of just said don't plan on any forgiveness uh, to take charge of your own debt, but it, it's okay to wait it out and see what happens at the end of this forbearance. Six months is a long time. So um, this is also another time to, again, maybe pay down other high interest debt that won't ever have an opportunity to be forgiven like credit card debt. Um, and so shifting those payments could be a wise thing right now because these federals, federally backed student loans aren't accruing interest either. So this could be a great window to take care of um, some other key matters that maybe could take precedence during this time and season of your life. But come the last quarter of this year, it's going to bring up another decision for you, depending on any new news, any um, prospect of student loan debt forgiveness, or 
um, it, has there been an extension of student loan forbearance? Um, because if there's not, then uh, we need to act again like it's not going to be happening and to approach that debt accordingly. Um, again, if you're pursuing a public service loan forgiveness, then know your strategy, know the plan, know how much service and how many months you have left to pay on that debt before uh, it being forgiven. Uh, if you're not if you're not pursuing that route, if you're not eligible for that route, then you need to have the appropriate plan in place as well as to how to go about paying off the rest of your student loans. But for those that have federally backed student loans that don't have a clear pathway to uh, public service loan forgiveness, for example, if you're in just in the private sector, uh, a, a wise move could be setting aside those monthly payments that you'd be making, just setting them aside in a savings account um, just to see what happens in the next six months or so uh, or the near future. And you can always dump a lump sum payment onto your student loans and significantly reduce principal while also seeing if there's going to be any real chance of uh, student loan forgiveness. Okay. A couple, a handful of other provisions that I wanted to hit on. I won't get into too much detail, but just wanted to let you know was was happening is uh, for business owners, they did they did refund and put more money into the PPP and EIDL loan programs, um, and so that's nice. So if you're a small business owner and you are still needing you know capital, if you need loans for uh, to keep your doors open or this or that they have refunded those programs. And the last thing that I saw is that there's still quite a bit of money um, left in those programs for uh, small businesses. And I even think they're trying to expand the PPP loan application uh, deadline, which was supposed to be the end of March. Um, but they've realized there's still a lot of money left in there. And they're probably, um, I would say they're really considering extending that if they haven't done it already. I haven't looked in a couple days. They may have already extended it. But um, anyway, a lot of money has been put back into those programs. So if you need capital, you know, continue to look at those programs. And the great thing, again, about the PPP loan program is that if you're using it for qualifying expenses, if you follow all the parameters, it turns into a grant. You don't have to repay that loan. So huge for small business owners. And then even the EIDL loan program has a really low interest rate, um, you know, attached to it and really favorable repayment timeline. So two great programs if you need to borrow to kind of see yourself through the rest of this storm, they've put more money into those programs. Okay, um, COBRA coverage, they subs- they're now subsidizing 100% of premiums for COBRA recipients. So that's, again, another effort to keep um, Americans insured and um, covered under health insurance. So that's a nice thing that they're doing. Um, employee retention credit, uh, the uh, American Rescue Plan is extending the life of the credit through 2021 as opposed to ending at the end of June. All right, the earned income tax credit, what it's doing is they're doing a couple things, but the main thing is they're changing the minimum age to claim the credit as a taxpayer with no qualifying children. So this is known as the childless earned income tax credit. So they're lowering the age from 25 to 19. So this is big because this is actually going to provide more aid um, and a and a tax benefit to younger individuals that are working and claiming themselves on their own tax. They're filing their own taxes. And so for those, you know, I'm, I'm trying to play out in a real life example. Let's just say someone graduates high school and they don't go to college. They um, just go straight into the workforce and they're claiming themselves on their own taxes. 
they would be able, their situation would apply to this earned income tax credit, and they could potentially get a huge tax benefit from this new change of lowering the the age requirement from 25 to 19. So uh, a nice plus for for younger workers if they qualify. Okay, that is it. That's the Those are the main points that I wanted to hit on. Sorry if it was a little gibberish. Um, some things didn't make sense. I know typically I am a very visual learner. I learn the best when I see things and I see examples. So podcasts can be um, tricky if you're explaining concepts and numbers and figures and abstract things. So hopefully you got some value out of this episode. Hopefully I conveyed <laughs> at least some of the, the key points that you know, about the stimulus checks and like the child tax credit is expanded and it's good. And the child independent care credit was expanded and it's good for parents and uh, those that pay for dependent care. So hopefully you got the gist of it all. If you want to dive back into more of the details and the nitty gritty and the numbers and the phase out tables and the thresholds and all those details, uh, don't worry, I have it. I have it available um, for you to reference. Um, I'll, I'll plug in the blog article that I wrote um, that has all this information. So I just thought it'd be helpful to go over some of these things. <laughs> um, I already did all the work, so I was like, ah, let's let's blast this out to uh, my listeners. So again, hopefully it was helpful. Let me know if you have any questions in regards to this or thoughts or concerns. Continue to share this podcast. I'm still you know, chugging along and, and making content and hoping to grow it and reach more people. So continue to share this if you would. I'd appreciate you with anyone that you know, uh, friends, family members, colleagues, um, anyone you think that, you know, this could be valuable for. And until next time, the best is yet to come. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Because it is general in nature, it does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a financial decision. This podcast is not engaged in legal, financial, or other professional services.